wife's mentioned to remind me that next Sunday, John Spurrier, Dr. John Spurrier and his wife Esther will be here with us sharing. And so let's be in prayer for that service as well. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah 18, if you want to use the Pew Bible, it's page 549. I am reading out of the New King James. It's a little bit different than what the Pew Bible is, but I think you can follow along. Jeremiah chapter 18. I'm going to be reading the first 12 verses and then also dropping down to verse 15. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. And the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if it does evil in my sight and so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good which I said I would benefit it. Now, therefore, speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning a disaster and devising a plan against you. Return now, everyone, from his evil way, and make your ways and your doings good. And they said, That is hopeless. And so we will walk according to our own plans, and we will obey it one, and everyone will obey the dictates of his evil heart. Drop down to 15. Because my people have forgotten me, they have burned incense to worthless idols. And they have caused themselves to stumble in their ways from the ancient paths to walk in pathways and not on a highway. Let us pray. Our kind, gracious, heavenly Father, as we read these words today, they're heavy on our hearts. Just as you brought destruction, the thought of destruction, you proclaimed the judgment that was coming. I feel, Lord, as a nation as a church, as a people, we have no idea of what may be coming. But, oh, Lord, today as we stand in your presence, I pray for the blessed Holy Spirit to stir my heart, to move among us, to stir all of us today, to realize we must be walking close to Jesus in these days. We're living in tremendous days, Things are happening daily. If we're not conscious of God's moving and working, we're going to miss it. Oh, Lord, help us today to be aware of our surroundings 
to be aware, Lord, that these are exciting days in which we as believers can live to bring honor and glory to your name. As we live out our lives among our fellow men, oh, I pray that Jesus Christ alone would be seen. And so, Lord, today I, I beseech you, Lord, that you would come and move upon us. Help us, Lord, to sense the urgency that Jesus Christ is coming soon. In your precious and worthy name, we pray with thanksgiving in everyone's head. Amen. Amen. I believe that we would all agree today, this morning, that our nation needs prayer. Our world needs prayer. But before we look out at a nation, we need to look within our own hearts. Lord, I stand in the need of prayer. Praying for our families, for our church, for our communities. That God would forgive us of the sin of the land. I ask the saints today be in prayer as I preach this message. It's, I just sense that the devil's not happy with this type of truth. And he wants to distract us. And so let's consciously keep our attention uh, on what the Lord is saying. When Nehemiah learned of the troublesome situation that J Jerusalem was in, he prayed this prayer, confessing the sins of the children of Israel. And listen carefully to these words from Nehemiah 1, 6 and 7. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly before you or toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, the decrees, and the laws you gave your servant Moses. Did you notice there that he humbled himself first? And then he prayed for the sins that he had committed, the sins of his household, before he ever prayed for the nation. As a nation, it's no secret we have tolerated alternate lifestyles as legitimate. We repent for sexual perversion, which is destroying the foundation of our families. Marriage vows are no longer being held sacred. Incidentally, today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. You, you have an uh, insert there in your bulletin with uh, information that is staggering, the statistics that are shared there regarding abortion and the impact that it's making not only in our nation but on the world in which we live. We must repent for allowing over 59 million abortions. When I read that just this morning again, I said, Lord, I can't comprehend that number. 59 million babies that have been aborted since Supreme, Supreme Court ruling January the 22nd, 1973. 
And all the while, our children are being indoctrinated with secular humanism in the public schools. I cry out, may God have mercy on us as a nation. To bring a, a national prayer movement for once again to be in obedience to God's word. Do I have an amen? amen? As believers, we must be fasting and in prayer to obtain God's mercy. I believe with all my heart that only as we humble ourselves and ask forgiveness will grace and mercy be given. What I'm sharing now is an email that I receive regularly from Tony Perkins' organization in Washington, D.C., Family Research Council. I've had the pleasure to be there, be in his office, in his building, meeting the staff. Wonderful Christian brothers and sisters that are doing a marvelous work right in our capital city. I'm working there on our behalf that Congress would set good legislation. But he shares with us some good things that are happening and were accomplished this past year that maybe otherwise you might have missed and escaped your attention. We need to recognize that God is answering prayer in the midst of all the evil in our day. Christian prayer has now been welcomed back into the White House. I don't know how many of you may have heard about the Museum of the Bible that was just erected and opened. I'm anxious to go see it. I, I think it would be neat to take a bunch of families and go down and support that right there in Washington. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of the Little Sisters of the Poor upholding their rights of conscience against the Obama mandate, forcing religious nonprofit organizations to purchase insurance for employees to cover abortive contraceptives. Neil Caress was appointed by President Trump in April 17, taking the place of the former Supreme Court Justice Antonia Scalia. And did you notice this Christmas that there seemed to be something different in the White House. The attitude and the announcements you were making, our president himself advocates for Christmas against the anti-Christmas political correctness that seemed to have been creeping into government in the past. Members of our president's cabinet meet regularly for prayer and for Bible study. And then the right of Congress to open its daily sessions with prayer has been upheld in federal court. And we now have former Governor Nikki Halen as the U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., and I'm proud of that lady, how she stands up for Israel and against the anti-Semitic bias of so many nations. These are just a few of the positive things that are happening, and we could say more of the war-fought <laughs> victories in 17. Maybe you heard on the news just, was it yesterday or the day before, the 45th pro-life rally in Washington? Something significant happened. The first president in 45 years came and stood before that people and encouraged them. Now, lest you think I think President Trump is perfect, we need to pray for him. And God instructs us in his word, pray for those that have leadership over you, especially our 
the kings, and, and he's our president. He's just a man. He makes mistakes, but do we not the same? We make mistakes. We're not infallible. And so I'm praying for our president rather than criticizing him as I hear so much. And oh my, the stuff that's on Facebook. I do post some things, and I try to use wisdom in my position as your pastor. I don't want to embarrass the church or myself. But we need to pray for those in, in government. I trust you're doing that. And I believe as praying people, this is not the time to stop. An Oregon appeals court has ruled against the Klein family, the bakers who declined to build a wedding cake for two gay men. Even as the Supreme Court is deliberating the case of Colorado baker Jack Phillips in the same issue. It's in the courts right now. The US military began January 1 to enlist recruits who identify themselves as transgender. Can you just imagine what all that may mean? We also have North Korea and a current uprising in, it, in Iran. The stock market going over 26,000. I remember when it hit 10, I thought, wow. The economy seems to be improving, but that could change tomorrow. Yet morality in our nation and holy living, even among Christians, is on the decline. Don't ever excuse your sin by looking to someone else and say, but Lord, look what they're doing. As I was going over this message, I thought something I heard years ago called pitchfork religion. You ever hear about that? You might be sitting up front, the preacher's preaching, you're like, boy, I hope they got that. They needed that. <laughs> That's what pitchfork religion is. Get rid of your forks, folks. Say, Lord, I stand in need of prayer. Friends like Moses, we must stand in the gap. Be on our knees praying for God's help for our nation today in 2018. Jeremiah 18, these verses we read is a scriptural account of the prophet going down to the potter's house. I remember well when we were in Guatemala, one day we took our team and did just that. And this scripture came alive to us. And I've shared that story with you in the past, how we went into this little business and watched him make pottery. But Jeremiah saw this potter there, and he felt the power of God upon him that day. Just as the potter was molding the clay, God is molding individuals, families, and nations. God's will and direction is being carried out even as nations rebel against him. Friends, do you agree with me that nothing can defeat God in his ultimate plan for this world? If so, say amen. On December the 6th, something historic took place, 2017. Our president did what many, many presidents said they might do but never did. He declared that the United States of America is going to support Jerusalem becoming the capital of Israel. I hope you heard that on the news. When I did, my heart was thrilled. <laughs> oh, naturally, it's caused an uproar the world over. 
really just a continuation of what was escalating all along against Israel. But friends, God's plan is being carried out. Let me share briefly some exciting things that are happening on God's timetable as we understand it. Jacob, thank you for alerting my attention to Rabbi Jonathan Kahn. He's written several books. Uh, Verna gave me a book, The Mystery of the, of the... Yeah. Thank you. It's a hard word to pronounce. It just left me. If I'd read my notes, I have it here. He also wrote a book, The Harbinger, which I have a copy. If you want to read it, I'd be glad to share it with you. I just saw this in the library this morning. Sorry, I just signed it out. <clears throat> the paradigm, but if you want to read it, uh, I'll try my best to get it back in there. He's working presently on another book, the current events that are shaping up in his country, Israel. What President Trump did December the 6th of this year, or last year, was monumental. It was prophetic and historical. Now, these are some of his words. And by the way, you can go online and look up Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, and it's all there. You can read it if you'd like. He is a Messianic Christian rabbi. And that's what I appreciate. He loves Jesus just like we do. He says this is the first major power uh, in modern time to recognize Jerusalem. In fact, in more than 2,000 years, 1948, those of us remember history, some of you were alive. I think, Oren, that was your birth date, right? I thought so. Uh, that's when Israel became a nation, and actually that was May the 14th. 2048. Israel became a nation, thank God for President Truman. He was another godly president, right? From what I know of history, he had his down times too. But he signed that into law, and there was a lot of people in Washington that said, don't you do it. But he felt God move his hand, and he signed it. This restored back to Jerusalem their homeland. Now, I want you to be thinking about the Jewish Jubilee. It's, it's a 50-year period. That's when everything was restored back to the original owner. Uh, all the land and properties would go back to that family which held the original deed. Allow me to share now a timeline over the last 100 years. In 1917, and you can tell I love history, but this is exciting history. The British government in 1917 restored uh, it, the land of Israel back to the Jews in what was called the Balfour Declaration. They were no longer going to be ruling over that land. Now, the Palestinians were there, but the Jewish people also were on their own. The, there was no Israel uh, or no uh, British government to interfere. They had their homeland. Then in 48, the President Trump, or Truman, signed into law that Israel was now officially a Jewish state. Guess what happened? Immediately, United Nations passed five resolutions. Don't you touch Jerusalem. Stay out of there. That's Palestinian ground. How would you like if we would turn the tables here in America if we were given our homeland back? But don't you go near Washington. That's somebody else's. This is what they were experiencing. Even with that stipulation, the Jews began to go back to Israel from all around the world. 
Now here's something interesting that was, I, I, would, I missed it, and Jonathan uh, Kahn brings this out. He said, from May 14, 1948 to December the 6th, 1970, there's 25,408 days. Divide that by the prophetic calendar, and that's important, of 360 days, you come up with 70 years. 70 years. Where did you hear that in prophecy? That's prophecy unfolding, folks. So 1917 to 1967 was 50 years. What happened in 1967? The Six-Day War. Do you remember that? That was significant because for the very first time, Israeli soldiers came into Jerusalem and went to that wailing wall and were able to pray. I was there. It's just an opportunity of a lifetime. But can you imagine what those Israeli soldiers felt like that day? Here they were at the only remaining wall, Solomon's temple, and they prayed. Now that was in 1967. They had now their holy city after a thousand some years. What a milestone in the lives of the Jew. Think about it. All the other ancient capitals of the world are gone, but one, and that's Jerusalem. 1967 to 2017, another 50 years. President Donald Trump declared Jerusalem to be the capital city once again. And he said, we'll be moving our United States Embassy there. I don't know how many of you recognize that. Very few countries back that. Many did not. But the first time in nearly 2,000 years, they are now looking to Jerusalem as their capital. Of course, the world's up in arms. Why is so much attention on this little country of Israel? It's setting up end-time prophecy. Now the Jews also, as a few months ago, are in charge of the Temple Mount. Are you aware of that? A year ago, I was there. It wasn't that way. We, we went up in a mound. There was Palestinian soldiers and they were watching you with a fine-tooth comb. One of our ladies had ankle socks, and about that much of her leg was exposed, and they came running over there and hollered at her as ugly as could be, you got to cover up. That's immoral. And so her husband sat down and took off his long black socks and put it on his wife, and then it was all right. That's how they fussy they were. <laughs> Verna remembers that, don't you? And it was back a few months ago, there was a shooting, and the Israelis came in and took charge. Do you realize that now opens the door for the rebuilding of the temple? I don't know how soon it'll happen. It could be real close, or it could be some years. That's in God's hands. Exciting things are happening. Keep your eyes on Israel. Zechariah 12, 2 and 3 says, I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding people reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem on that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her. 
I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. Friends, I just say we are living in exciting days. Jesus is coming back soon. The Bible declares, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Here's an interesting note. Rabbi Khan says the trumpet always was used to declare important news. What is the president's name in the United States? Trump, which means trumpet or trumpet sounding. Very interesting. God has used kings throughout history. Some very ungodly kings, but his plan and purpose is unfolding. And I believe he's using President Trump. Psalm 122, verse 6 instructs us, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I trust you're doing that. Because the Bible also says all those who curse her were going to be cursed, but all that bless will be blessed. I'm thankful we now have a president that is blessing Israel again. Go online, check out Rabbi Khan. Interesting things there. Nothing, friends, can defeat God's plan, what he is bringing about in our world. His time clock is ticking down. God's will and direction will continue even if individuals or nations reject him. And we see nations, you're hearing it on the news, the hatred that's building against Israel. Time is short. In fact, I heard um, on the radio yesterday, uh, back to the Bible, Warren Wisby, make this statement. He said, persecution is coming to the church, and I fear it's not ready. I believe we could be living in the calm before the storm. Now is the time to search your hearts. Now is the time to pray, Lord, send revival beginning in me. We need revival in our church, folks. We need revival in our nation. You know, God doesn't need us, but we desperately need him. And I believe God is extending time. He's extending grace. That the more we will come to him, that more will come to him and be saved in these last days. All people are given an opportunity to repent and conform to his purpose just as God will forgive if we confess and repent individually and as a nation, I believe he could spare us, hold it off a bit. So in this parable, Jeremiah 18, the potter and the clay, the prophet Jeremiah is holding out the opportunity for Judah to repent. The call to repent there is in verse 11. Return now everyone from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. But did you notice the response in verse 12? And they said, this is hopeless. So we're going to walk according to our own plans and we will everyone obey the dictates of his evil heart. They made the fatal choice to ignore God and go their way. Judah turned from the true and living God to serve idols. You saw that in verse 15. 
The Lord himself, there in verse 13, gasps in amazement at the horrible choice they're making. The words, who has heard such things? I wonder what God must be thinking and saying about the fair land of America and some of the ways and some of the doings that are happening. Not that long ago, our own governor of Pennsylvania, Governor Wolf, vetoed a bill that would stop late-term abortions. I'm against abortion, period. But who, in compassion, wouldn't want to stop late-term abortions for that little, little child is going to feel terrible pain, and yet he vetoed it. I'll tell you what we're going to answer someday. God help us. Judgment and payday are coming for this old world, and I believe it's going to be very soon. The Bible is clear that even in the great battle of Armageddon, Mankind is going to put their fist against God. Can you imagine that? They see the power of the military and, and all the might of the world. They're going to fight God. Sin blinds the eye, folks, and the mind. It makes men and women delusional and thinking they're greater than God himself and his word. They can do it their way. Judgment is coming because of spiritual collapse that we see across our world. America, once a God-fearing nation, and I love America. I wouldn't want to live any other place but here. But God's word is condemning us. Friends, we're in the minority this morning. Did you know that, sitting here in church? Many today are sleeping in from a night of partying, drinking, maybe after a long work week. God is no longer a priority in the majority of people's lives. Sunday is to be a day of worship and rest, but for most people, it's just like any other day of the week. May God have mercy on us. Too much of the time, people serve God out of convenience or duty rather than out of love and devotion. Do we in America even begin to comprehend what judgment may be coming God used America to help evangelize the world. But I believe we're at a place where we need missionaries to come to America. You know, friends, the Lord is waiting for his people to repent. To act on his commands. And that very familiar verse there in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and what? Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their, land, their sin and heal their land. I say, hallelujah. We can stand on that promise, folks. Are we? Without this humiliation and repentance, how can God bless a so-called Christian nation? Recently, I'm finding it interesting, if you can say it that way, how many politicians and well-known people are falling because of immorality. 
And you know, you've heard people say about, oh, how terrible that one is or this one is, but are they looking within their own hearts, their own living? So long they've talked about it, reported the failures of others, but they haven't lived it out in their own private life. Folks, I think you know, but the Holy Spirit knows every one of us here today and the life we're living. We cannot hide from God. Sadly, the church of Jesus Christ has not been immune. Oh, how we need to pray for revival. Yes, we say, Lord, we need revival for our land, our nation. But where should revival begin? In my heart, in your heart, at the house of God. How we pray for intervention. I think of wicked King Ahab. When he was confronted with his sin, how he repented there in 1 Kings 21, 29. It says, see how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the house of his sons, I will bring the calamity on this house. God knew, he saw down the way that Ahab's sons were just going to continue in wickedness. And calamity did fall. And so, friends, this morning, as we offer prayer for ourselves and our nation, we need to turn back to him, forsake our sins, and to live for his honor and glory. That means letting go of anything that hinders you. Or as the King James says, that sin which so easily besets us, hinders us in our spiritual walk. And you know we have an enemy of our soul. We have a devil that is tempting every one of us in different ways. And one sin is no greater than another. Sin is sin. And God's going to judge sin. I believe the Bible is still calling for us as God's people to walk in holiness before him and righteousness. Did you know it's 159 years ago that revival broke out across America? In 1859, a man by the name of Jeremiah Lamphere, interesting his name was Jeremiah, he asked several businessmen to join him in prayer up in New York City in James Hall on Fulton Street. And there the great revival began that swept our nation. One historical commentary says that never in the history of a nation torn with strife and threatened with bankruptcy was peace and prosperity so quickly restored. All because God's people humbled themselves and they prayed. Let me ask the worship team to start coming. Once more as believers, we need to unite and cry out to God as the widow did in Luke 18. She said, get justice for us from our adversary. May we as God's people come together in prayer. There's no time to lose. I leave you with this, these two verses from Luke 18. And shall not God not avenge his own elect who cry out night and day to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith 
on the earth. 